Okay, welcome everyone. And uh, those that are live, those that I know are gonna be listening later. I, I mentioned just a little bit earlier, we're trying to figure out some of the scheduling with new Minyanim returning, but uh, we'll keep this share at this spot for now. Because Ras Hashem at some point, uh, we'll move it back inside, which uh, if not for now, the next year. The share today is being sponsored by Rella Feldman and family in memory of Rella's father, Aaron Yitzchak Ben Svi and Esther, Isaac Levenstein. And it was great seeing Rella's granddaughter last week on the Yomat's Mud video to uh, Trudy and Tati Levine. We're with you, Tzvi Ben Eliezer, Hirsch Newman. I'm very excited about today's shear. What could be better, Ed Goldman, than slander in the shul? It could be like the name of a book, slander in the synagogue. And I'm going to address this probably this week. We'll continue next week. Some of this may actually relate to uh, I, I give a share every shot this morning at 8.30, Pirkei Avos and the Parsha. Some of these issues may come up as well as a byproduct of a discussion. I want to present to you a question that was posed to a, a very important Rav in Israel. He, he goes a little bit under the radar. He lives in Svat in the northern part of Israel, Rav Shmuel Yahu, a great uh, Talmud Chacham. Svardi, some say he'll be a Svardi chief rabbi someday. I have a very close friend in Eretz Israel, Avi Berman, some of you may have met, who's a real Talmud of Rav Shmuel Eliyahu. So Rav Shmuel Eliyahu years ago already was taking questions and answers on a website. There's a website in Eretz Israel called Kipa. It's a very interesting website. And there's, they always have a question and answer session. And I saved some of the questions. I put them into my file. So this is a question that was posed to him. And I saved this for the right time, and now is the right time, and you're all here. The Chavetz Chaim, who we know, of course, is very famous, Rabbi Yisrael Meir Kagan HaKohen, for his activism against speaking Lashon Hara. Whether he has been successful in that campaign or not is a very interesting question. I'm not sure exactly how to evaluate success but he has a many different works. Sometimes they're actually restatements of more or less the same approach, Sefer Chavetz Chaim, In the Mishnah Brewer itself, which I didn't copy for you the source yet, he discusses Lashon Hara as well in the context of Kedushat Beit Knesset. And maybe the most important place where this is discussed at least the most extensive is in some of the sources, especially the last source that we're going to see today. But there's something else which serves as the framework of this question. And what I'm going to do to set up the question, and then hopefully our uh, answer, is to look at two psukim from this coming week's parsha, at least the second parsha of Parsha's Kedosha. So in Parak Yutet, Pasuk Ted Zayin, famously, at least because we know it, lo telech racha ba'amecha, lo tamo adam riecha, ani Hashem. The second clause is a very important clause. I'm not getting into uh, police issues and, and, you know, there was a trial yesterday and the conviction is not the place to comment on it. But, you know, what's, what's very, I wouldn't say fascinating, but what's very uh, intriguing just to understand is how about the people that were standing by? If people are standing by, while someone else is being injured, what, what type of culpability do they have? That's the second half of the Pasuk. As I'm going to suggest in the Shir on Shabbos, it also relates to Lashon Hara, 
we know how bad it is to speak Lashon Hara, but how about if we if we become the context for it being spoken, which means we're just sitting there passively listening to it. <clears throat> so that's part of the second half of the Pasuk, how it explains the, how it relates to the first part. But we know the general restriction, the prohibition of Lashon Hara is spelled out in the Torah. So this week's parasha. It's not the Chavetz Chaim came along in the 18, 19th century with this new idea, Lashon Hara. In fact, we, David HaMelech speaks about it. Zehu, what, what does he say? That's how the Chavetz Chaim got his name, right? And it's in the Torah itself. Now, of course, there are going to be exceptions to the rule. And we have different categories. But it's a clear Torah prohibition. It's right there. We also have a Pasuk in this Parsha, 13 Pesukim, 14 Pesukim later, we have to keep the Shabbos. We have to have awe, respect for our sanctuary. Literally, it means in the context of the Torah portion, the Mishkan, Ani Hashem. So what the question that comes to Rav Shmuel Eliyahu, and the person who's asking the question, or Rav Eliyahu in writing this says, this is not the typical type of question. Why is it that in a number of places in the works of the Chavetz Chaim, the Chavetz Chaim is not satisfied in his campaign against Lashon Hara with the Pasuk in the top right? I mean, that's a pretty, if you want to build a campaign on a, a Pasuk, on a banner, that's a pretty strong Pasuk. Why is it that the Chavetz Chaim in a number of places, and then this got me to start looking at it because I wasn't familiar with this, in a number of places, also quotes the Pasuk Yutes Lamed, that speaking Lashon Hara, assuming that it's being done in a Beit Knesset, is not just slander, but it's slander in a shul, and there's an additional Torah violation. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes rabbis say, if you want to talk, then go into the atrium, right? You know, you ever hear rabbis say that? I try not to say it. I try to imply it, or at least to, you know, nudge people there. It could be, at least for our own self-preservation, that if you want to slander someone, the best place to do it is... I don't know if the atrium has Kedushat Beit Knesset. We may actually discuss that a little bit, but step outside. So it's a little bit of a strange issue. Like the bottom line is that's the question that's spelled out through Shmuel Eliyahu. Lashon Hara is a prohibition in its own right. What do you need to say? It's worse in some places than others. What I'm going to suggest as we move forward, because this is really a two-part series, that's why I'm so interested in it, is that we're going to see next week in the context of Parshat Emmar, with Shabbos and Yom Tov, then not only are there certain places where it's worse to slander someone, but there are certain days. So if you had a choice, I don't mean to present it this way, but if you had a choice, is it better to speak Lashon Hara on a Tuesday or on a Shabbos? It sounds like, at least on the surface, then go for Tuesday. But obviously that's not the point, but it's the same idea that uh, is being asked in this beautiful... Uh, little paragraph to Shmuel Eliyahu. So I want to give his answer, but I want to give a little story. I don't know if this story, I've heard the story quoted in the name of Rashi Yeshiva Ben Brak. I've heard it quoted from Rabbi Riskin, 
So I don't know where it's coming from, but it's an interesting story. And this is going to set up a little bit of the framework. And it's similar to a Sephorno that I saw in last week, Pasha's Tazria Mitzara. Let me start with the Sephorno. This long-winded introduction, I think is going to, it's a very important fundamental life message. In Parshish Tazriya Mitzora that we also match up to at least one of the sins, Lashan Hara, the Sephorno, I noticed something interesting. He keeps talking about how Lashan Hara is a sin bein adam la mako. You, he said, you know, the Gemara says in Erechen that when you when you get saras for being a, for being arrogant. And he shows how being arrogant and Lashan Hara have a connection because if you think that you have the ability to judge someone else, then you're basically saying you're a God, right? Only God sees the whole picture. And I was even thinking when I was reading that Sephora, like, what do you have to bring God into it? The bottom line is in this week's parsha, it says, and if you look back at the Sephora last week, over and over, he talks about it. When you do it secretly, you think no one's God's not listening to you. So the story that they tell is it's a very simple story, whether it's true or not, is that in a certain yeshiva, they were having a problem. Some guy, the, they, you know, the way it works in some places, maybe in offices as well, people put their milk in to the refrigerator. So in this yeshiva, some guys, everybody was taking some guy's milk. You know, they were stealing a little bit of milk. Even a little bit is not good to put into the coffee or to the cereal. And no matter what this guy did, he put up all these signs, don't touch my milk, don't touch my milk. He comes back, this is before they had uh, special uh, videos in there that you could attach to the milk or you could attach to the back of the refrigerator, to the front of the refrigerator. So finally, the guy is very clever. He puts up a sign, it's Stam Chalav, right? This milk is not Chalav Yisrael. Or in one version of the story, it's pig milk, whatever version of the story. No one touched that milk. And the message is, is that when you see something all of a sudden is a Bein Adam Lamakam issue, then all of a sudden people are so concerned when it comes to Kashras. But when it comes to Bein Adam sometimes, even a rabbi, I say this all the time, when I give a Bein Adam speech, I feel like, you know, maybe, you know, what, I didn't have anything to talk about, about the Emuna. I didn't have it, even though it's all connected to each other. So sometimes, this is what Rav Shmuel Eliyahu, I think is saying, if you look at the very end, where he says, Sometimes we have to bring in the impact on our relationship with Hashem in order to reinforce how serious the issue is, Ben Adam Lachavero. And that, I believe, is going to set up the shear for today. Again, it's not a stretch. It's true. But Hash what he's suggesting is even Hashem himself had this appreciation. Hashem himself, Kaviachal, had this appreciation that we have to sometimes add layers to sin in order to reinforce the message, in, in addition to it just being inherently the, the value. So I'll give you a couple of selections. They can really, they're mind-boggling about Lashon Hara, specifically in the Beit Knesset. What I'm going to get to next week is which parts of davening is it most relevant. The Chavetz Chaim was not naive. If I had to ask you the question, you could answer or not, which parts of davening is, is it a bigger issue than others? And the Chavetz Chaim, that we'll see next week, spells out. 
One of the issues may actually be a rabbi's fault because he says that sometimes after the drusha, can you imagine? People criticize the drusha. Now there's nothing wrong with criticizing the drusha, but in which context? How is it said? He talks about Kriya Satora, other forms of, of conversation and specifically when. So I just wanted to give you a couple examples. Now, how does it relate to this week's Parsha? Parsha's uh, Kedoshim is not talking about a Beit Knesset. So what's going on? So this is a message that we know from the Gemara Masechus Megillah, but he reinforces it. The Chavetz Chaim has many different works on Lashon Hara. One of them, it's not only about Lashon Hara, is called Zecher Lemiriam, Zacher Lemiriam. Poor Miriam, right? Miriam, if not for Miriam, we're not around. And some of us have the practice every single day, we remember what happened to Miriam. So it's ironic that we speak Lashon Hara about Miriam, but the Torah allows us to do so. So I don't have the whole, I'm not going to read to you the whole thing, but if you read what he puts into paragraph, in, in, into a bracket, very often in Svarim, what's in the brackets, what's in the footnotes, that in parentheses, doesn't mean to skip it. It's the most important part to read. And he says, We have to appreciate, as hard as it is to imagine, that our synagogues and our study halls are Mikdashe Ma'at. It's, it's not just a hyperbole to get people to donate to a building fund. It is a Mikdash Ma'at. It has the halachas of a Mikdash Ma'at. And the same halachas that apply, which means the Pasuk Yutas Lamed, a Shapsosai Tishmaru, that applies 600 Romer Avenue. It applies West Englewood. It applies any Beit Knesset, a place that has Kedushat Beit Knesset, also has the halacha of Mishkan. It's incredible, the halacha of Migdash. Basically, it's the best we got today. If it's the best we got, we have to deal with it. <coughs> and he gives the sources for this. If you look down to Hilchas Lashon Hara, I'll show you most likely on Shabbos and next week. This is straight out of the Mishnah Bura, but these are the maybe fundamental sources because they're dealing specifically with Lashon Hara. He says, Imidaber Lashon Hara, it's the bottom of the page, the Beit HaMedrash over Beit HaKnesset, the Beit HaMedrash over Beit HaKnesset, over our mitzvah saseh shel umikdashi tirao. Can you imagine? Not speaking, if you speak in your house, okay, so there are plenty of violations. That's the top right. But speaking in a Beit Knesset, that's the Chal of Yisrael warning, the Stam Chal of. You know what you're doing? You're basically violating the Mikdash. Not you, me, right? We're violating the Mikdash. And it's not a terrible message to give to our children, to give to ourselves, that Lashon Hara is not allowed anywhere, but it's worse in some places. That establishes not only the value of the other person, hopefully, but also the value of the place. And he goes on, Ulechein Asr, he talks about doing business in the Beit Knesset, not for now. So that is, in many ways, what he points out. I'm not giving you the whole essay. It's not only destructive, but it's preventing the opportunity for a redemptive aspect. If you flip to the other side, and this is where he gets a little bit stronger, the different works that, that are formulated in different ways. This is, I'm just going to read what I have in bold. 
right? We have a pasuk in this week's parsha. We shouldn't just pass it over, which talks about the sanctity of Beit Knesset, not just the sanctity of the Mishkan. Right, to have the fear of who is in it. And then look what I have a couple of lines down. What he's discussing over here is the Shulchan Aruch in Arachayim. Kufnan Aleph discusses that in Babel, and that includes the United States of America, a synagogue is a multi-purpose building. Unlike the Mishkan and unlike the Beis Hamikdash that are restricted purely to the service of Hashem, a bay, every Bay Knesset is built on a condition that you could do more things in there than just pray. That's why we're allowed to have a wedding in the Ketat Torah. That's why you're allowed to serve a Kiddush. Every synagogue that was built outside of Yerushalayim, Irakodesh, and maybe even in Yerushalayim, outside of the Mishkan, is built out tonight. It's, an, it's, an, it's implicit in the building of the institution. So therefore, the Chavetz Chaim says, don't be a smart aleck and think, okay, just like I can make a condition that I could eat in a synagogue building, so okay, I'm also going to make a condition that this is a building that is a Lashon Hara location, right? I'm going to build it with a condition. Lashon Hara in general is restricted, so he says you can't do that. And what he reinforces is the Amuna issue and how, and I'm talking to myself, of how duplicit it is to specifically innovate Knesset, not just because we're speaking to God, but this is a place to reinforce our emuna. And this is what he says at the, the last three lines that I have both. It sounds like what we're actually, if we're speaking and knocking another Tselem Elohim in the Beit Knesset, we're giving the implication that God's Shekhinah is not here. So we're undermining the sanctity of the whole place because part of what gets to, this is what the Sephora points out as well, if you're judging someone else so much so that you're not only thinking about it, but you're speaking about it and you've come to conclusions, that is a chisar in Amuna. How's that a chisar in Amuna? It's not, only a, it's not only a weakness that you think that Hashem is not listening to you, but it's also a chisar that you think you have the capacity as a godly feature, as a godly individual, to be able to evaluate, judge, and speak about others. And that's why we... He says something even more inherent, fundamental, is the bottom line is it, it's prohibited. So you're coming and doing something. It's like eating, you know, you want to have a ham sandwich. That's one thing. You're going to have the ham sandwich in front of the Kaddish Kaddashim, right? Then it's not only a desire, it's an act of rebelliousness, Aziz Panit. Now, listen, none of us are perfect in this. And I wish we could have a safe zone. You know, the Beit Knesset, we could be able to say there's a condition in this room. This is the Lashon Hara room. Unfortunately, it's not. So we're seeing that not all sins are, are the same and the location matters. What we have to do is not just beat ourselves up, but we have to look at our tendencies. And that's going to lead us to next week's year where the Chavetz Chaim spells out the times of davening, the days of the week where there tends to be more Lashon Hara. <clears throat>
it's pretty obvious, right? Aside from the sanctity of the day, if you're in Shul Dominion when there's 20 people six feet away from each other wearing masks, it's going to be a lot harder to speak Lashon Hara than if there are 500 people in the room sitting next to each other without masks. So is the answer to wear a muzzle for the rest of our lives? I don't think so. I don't think that's the suggestion, right? That's what they say is the segula for not speaking Lashon Hara, wear a muzzle. But that, that's not what we're trying to accomplish. So we should read these uh, parashios with a lot of self-awareness. And we'll continue next week. Thank you, everyone. Those that are um, watching live and those that are on Memorex. We appreciate it.